Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are going beyond the banter as we dive deeper into conversations, elevating small talk into transformative connections. Always looking for something interesting to say that doesn't involve the weather, the state of the union, or the latest child's milestone? You may not be alone. Social media keeps us somewhat connected on what's new or the cracked window we're willing to open when it comes to our personal lives. But how can we create more meaningful relationships if we can't find opportunities to open up? A chance meeting in the grocery store or in line at an event isn't the right environment to go deeper, so we may need to carve out the time and encourage thoughtful communication. When was the last time you connected with a friend to chat? Not a text string or a quick phone call, but an intentional catch-up. I venture to say we talk about it more than we do it. In this instant, good intentions don't count. Hey, let's grab lunch. We really should make more time to get together. It's been ages since we caught up. Smile, kiss, kiss, and move on for another day when everyone has more time. Newsflash, more time is an exchange, not an addition. You have to reset priorities to find more time, plain and simple. Make it a priority when the opportunity is there. Hey, let's grab lunch. I have my calendar open. How about next Tuesday at 11.30 at Mario's? Sounds reasonable. Let's check out the research to motivate us to go deeper. Deal? On the Washington Post, I found why small talk is boring. Our research shows how you can do better. In surveys we've conducted, most people said they wish they had more meaningful conversations in their daily lives. This is a wise inclination. Behavioral science research consistently finds that the more deep and intimate conversations people have on a given day, the happier they are that day. The more time people spend in small talk, in contrast, the more likely they are to feel, well, not much of anything in particular. Small talk is conversation's purgatory, bidding time waiting for the good stuff. There is an obvious puzzle here. If small talk is so mediocre, then why do we spend so much time engaged in it? One obvious answer is that we think deep conversations are pleasant with good friends, but would be awkward or inappropriate with an indifferent stranger. Our research suggests that assumption is misguided. You probably underestimate how much other people, especially strangers, care about the meaningful information you have to share. As a result, you always underestimate how satisfying deep conversations with those beyond close friends and family can actually be. In a dozen experiments with roughly 1,800 people, as varied as business executives and visitors in public parks, we found that our participants felt happier and more connected than they expected after relatively deep conversations with people they just met. The people in our experiments also expected that deeper conversations would be significantly more awkward than they actually were. The overly pessimistic expectations about deep talk stemmed from the misplaced assumption that one's conversation partner would be largely indifferent to the interaction. In reality, the other person also typically enjoyed getting beyond superficialities. 
We saw the concerns people have about opening up to strangers on full display in the first experiment we conducted as part of the research project. One of us was giving a presentation at a small conference with roughly 50 high-level financial executives who had no idea what they were in for. We explained that we were about to pair everyone up to discuss four questions with another person. The prompts included, for what in your life do you feel most grateful? If you were going to become a close friend with the other participant, please share what would be important for them to know. Can you describe a time you cried in front of another person? We adapted these prompts from a procedure designed by psychologist Arthur Aron and his colleagues to create more intimate conversations between strangers. As soon as the audience saw these questions, one man in the front row hollered out, Oh crap! The room laughed nervously while we privately feared commencing the worst conference experience ever. After our executives had spent 10 minutes in conversation, we had to spend another five repeatedly asking people to stop talking and come back to the presentation. One person wiped away tears. One pair hugged. The initially stern-faced group came back with noticeably more smiles, as if someone had flipped a switch. On average, these participants reported on anonymous questionnaires feeling less awkward, more connected, and happier after their conversation than they expected to feel before. These have proven to be reliable results. In another one of our experiments, we gave people relatively deep questions to discuss with one person they had just met and relatively shallow questions to discuss with another new acquaintance. Before the conversations, people expected to prefer their shallow conversation, but afterward they actually preferred the deeper conversations. The surprisingly positive experience of deep talk doesn't depend on any particular magic of the questions that we gave them to discuss. We observe the same results when we simply ask people to have deeper conversations than they normally would. In this experiment, we first asked people to write down five questions they would normally discuss when getting to know someone. They responded with small talk classics like, where are you from? What do you do for a living? And how is your work going? We then asked people to write down another set of five questions that were deeper. They did so without much difficulty, with the most common including, what do you regret most in your life? What do you love doing? Where do you see yourself in five years? Better conversations are not beyond the realm of your imagination. You can have them as long as you're willing to try. The pleasure deeper conversations provided was quite robust. Men and women didn't differ in their enjoyment of them. Extroverts and introverts didn't differ either. Deep conversation with strangers left people feeling as positive as deep conversations with friends. Most people have a great deal of experience in conversation, but it's still hard to know exactly how a conversation will turn out since the outcome depends on how you and the other person act. If you assume that others aren't interested in meaningful conversation, you'll probably avoid it too, and you'll never learn how enjoyable deeper talks with strangers can be. Let's be clear, our research doesn't suggest throwing all caution to the wind, assuming everyone wants to be your best friend, and revealing your deepest thoughts to anyone you meet. Too much information can be a real thing. 
Instead, our research suggests that the person next to you would probably be happier talking about their passions and purpose than what's up with the weather. Have you ever attended a support group meeting? Not asking you to disclose anything you might be struggling with. And guess what? You don't have to be struggling with anything to want deeper connections. My first support group was about 11 or 12 years ago. It was pretty terrifying, actually, to be honest. I didn't know what to expect at all. I knew I was struggling with something at the moment, and I just wanted to connect with others that felt the same way. So I went. And it followed a particular format, which now, stepping back, I really, really appreciate, but at the time felt kind of stiff and awkward. So I hung in there. And one of the things I learned, first of all, about a support group is it's not really intended for validation. So even though I wanted to meet people maybe challenged by the same issues, I also secretly wanted someone to tell me that I was right and everything that I was going through was normal. Well, you have to learn that on your own. You can't have someone else tell you that. So I did get to connect with people that shared the same issues, and I really learned a lot about their journey because, of course, everyone going is on a different journey. So you can really help others pull them up and learn from others that have already walked that walk. At the end, after not getting the validation I was looking for, they said, keep coming back. It works if you work it and you're worth it. They were right, of course. So it did get easier, and I found such a freedom in being able to express myself. Now, I'm an extrovert, and my mom used to say she's never met a stranger. I think I've said this before, but my first grade teacher said she talks more than I do, and I teach the class. So I've never had an issue with opening up to people. But What I found is it really does help if the environment is right and conducive for people to share. In a support group, it is a safe environment. There is uh, like-minded people there. You have time to open up. The floor is yours. No one's going to interrupt you. No one's going to judge you. It gives you just that platform to really be able to share your deepest feelings in a safe environment. But you don't have to have a support group to do that. You can create a connection group. I've had those as well where there's not really anything wrong to talk about, but you just want to share with another person and you want to share on a deeper level than the weather or what's happening with the family. You really want to open up and dig into fears, desires, challenges, uh, visions, whatever you want to be able to share and open up about yourself. In general conversation, I think people second guess themselves and think, well, you know, what I have to say is not really important. It's not going to be interesting or exciting. So they clam up and they don't say anything. But in a support group type environment, that's the whole point. It doesn't matter if you feel like, is it interesting? It's a healing therapeutic exercise. So it's whatever is on your heart or in your mind. And sometimes with those, it's not just an open forum. They might do a reading. 
They might have a topic that they want to discuss. You might build off of the next person's topic um, without crosstalk, of course, because that's the whole idea is that it's a safe environment where you're not judged. And did you know that you do not have to be a therapist or a professional to run a support group or run a connection group? If the word support freaks you out, think about a connection group. You could have a group for like interest. You could have a women's group, a men's group, whatever you choose to do where you want to bring people together just to talk and connect. You could have a crafters group where you just sit around and do something with your hands and talk and share. The whole idea is to open up, share, learn, and grow. And even if you feel like you have nothing to offer, believe me, you can encourage someone else, which will in turn encourage you. So if you're sitting there thinking, I just don't have very many connections, I don't have very many friends, you are not alone. There are other people that are struggling with the exact same challenge. Open up a group, invite people, get a conversation started, and you would be surprised. Some people just need to wade into the shallow end first. Arlen Kunzik bails us out with small talk topics, the best and worst things to talk about. Small talk topics are good conversation starters between people who don't know each other well. If you live with social anxiety disorder or SAD, making small talk can be anxiety-provoking. It can also be difficult if you tend to be a little bit more introverted. Small talk refers to an informal, polite conversation that often focuses on unimportant or trivial topics. While such social transactions focus on inconsequential topics, they serve as important ways to build rapport, connection, and relationships. Learning to make small talk can help build the confidence you need to start conversations, make connections, and develop your social skills. Even if you're uncomfortable, avoiding small talk altogether only serves to worsen anxiety in the long run. Rather than being scared of small talk, make a point of overcoming your fear of it. One good way to alleviate anxiety is to know what things to talk about and what to avoid. So here you go. Here are some best topics. Weather, arts and entertainment, sports, family, food, work, travel, celebrity gossip, hobbies, hometown. As if we need to cover these, but you never know, here are the worst topics. Finance, politics and religion, sex, death, appearance, personal gossip, Offensive jokes, narrow topics, past relationships, health. Although talking about the weather may seem mundane, it is a good neutral topic that everyone can discuss. Did a big storm just blow through? Are we in the middle of a heat wave? Look no further than outside your door for conversation starters like, Lovely day, don't you think? Looks like rain is in the forecast. Did you order this beautiful weather? Arts and entertainment topics are good conversation starters too. Movies and television shows, popular restaurants, popular music, books. Here are some examples of what you might ask. Are you reading any great books? I could use some recommendations. Are there any podcasts you love? 
Have you tried any new apps or games lately that you really like? I could use some suggestions. Skip talking about movies, television, or books that your conversation partner hasn't seen or read. If no one else has seen the movie, don't go into detail about the plot or the funny scenes. Find some common ground and build your discussion from there. Sports topics are good things to talk about with people you don't know very well, and they can include things like your favorite or local team, sporting events, tournaments, or championships. Keep track of what sports are played during which seasons, like football, soccer, hockey, and golf, so that you're on top of the current action. The Olympic Games are always a good option if they're taking place as everyone is sure to be buzzing about them. People are likely to ask you about your family. Conversation starters about family could include, do you have any brothers or sisters? How long have you been with your partner? Where does your family live? Be prepared for these types of questions and reciprocate by asking others about their families. Engaging in this type of small talk displays your communication skills. It also helps you learn a lot about a person in a short period of time. Although family can be a great conversation starter, use caution when asking about potentially sensitive topics. For example, asking someone if they have kids or plan to have kids can be difficult if the person is experiencing infertility. If the other person brings up their children, however, feel free to ask all about them. Food can be a great topic for small talk as long as you keep it neutral and focused on the positive. You might ask someone for recommendations for local restaurants, ask what their favorite dish to order is, or if they enjoy cooking at home. Here are some examples of food-based topics. Have you tried any new restaurants lately? What's your favorite meal to cook at home? Do you have any ideas for good work lunches? I'm out of ideas and I'm sick of sandwiches. As with other conversation starters, stick to positive topics and avoid complaining about foods you don't like. Another popular small talk topic is work. You may be asked what you do or whether you like your job. If you do something unusual that is hard to explain, consider keeping business cards in your wallet. This works particularly well if your company has a website that people can visit. You might start a chat with an opener like, how long have you worked at your job? What do you enjoy most about your job? That's an interesting line of work. How did you get into that? People like to hear about vacations. If you travel, be ready to answer questions and give your opinions about places you've visited. Ask others about their favorite travel spots and what they recommend. Many people like to help and will be happy to share their experiences. This can also be a great way to put your conversation partner in a happy frame of mind by allowing them to recount a joyful vacation. It isn't necessary to follow celebrity gossip to make small talk. However, it is a good idea to know a little bit about some of the most popular celebrities in case the topic comes up. Save this type of small talk for informal gatherings or casual parties, not work events. Unless everyone else at your work conference is discussing a celebrity, it's best to lead with something else. People like to talk about their hobbies and are likely to be interested in yours. If you don't have any hobbies, consider trying something new. Not only will you have something to talk about, but having a hobby will give you a chance to meet others with similar interests. Be sure to ask follow-up questions as you listen to someone talk about their hobbies. Listen between the lines as well. 
If someone says, that was the last time I ever went skiing, for instance, ask why. In a small talk situation, you might be asked about your hometown, for example. How is where you grew up different from where you live now? Why did you leave? Have an interesting anecdote or story ready to tell. Ask others about their hometowns as well. You never know who might be from the same place as you, making this a good opportunity to form a connection. Even though those were small talk topics, they were far more in-depth than what I see today. So many times we think, nobody cares. They don't want to know what I'm doing. You might have that thought for a moment like, I should stop and talk to that person. And then the next moment, if you don't act, you'll talk yourself out of it. Well, they, they look busy. They don't want to know what I have to say. Guess what? The reality is that more people would like to make that connection, and they're probably thinking the exact same thing. So you see someone, you make eye contact, hi, and then in the next instant, you're both talking yourself out of it. There was a story that came across Facebook, I believe, and it was about an elderly lady. And I don't have the specifics of her name or what town she lived in, But I can imagine this type of story could happen anywhere. So, an elderly lady lives by herself. Her husband has passed away. She's still living at home. She lived in the neighborhood for a long time. But obviously, families come in, move in, move out. And because of her age and her lack of mobility, she just wasn't getting around to meet her neighbors. And quite frankly, in this day and age, people just don't do that. You know, there used to be the welcoming committee, whether that's from the town or from the neighbors. They get together, bring you a pie, get to know you, offer any extended help they can, and you just don't see that today. As a result, this lady really didn't know her neighbors, even though she had lived there for decades and decades. So she would sit on the porch and watch people walk by. Now, same thing happened from the neighbors they would walk by and see her sitting on the porch. In their minds, she's probably tired. She's busy. She doesn't care about meeting them. She's lived a long life. She has more things on her mind than that. So as a result, nobody met anybody. Fast forward, the lady writes a note, wishing for a friend. She puts the note in the mailbox of one of her neighbors, just saying that she's lonely and would love to have a friend and get to know her neighbors. Well, that same day, the mother and her child made some cupcakes and took them over to her neighbor. And from there, they sparked a lovely friendship. Just imagine the ending of that story, if the woman wouldn't have put the note in her neighbor's mailbox. It's just to teach us that we need to look beyond ourselves. We need to not second guess that everyone wants to be left alone. If you've ever experienced loneliness yourself or not having the ability to easily connect with others, is it right to think you're the only person on the planet that feels that way? Absolutely not. There are so, so many people in the same spot. Why don't you try just reaching out? 
you can do that and start getting comfortable with it. I've mentioned it before, but at the grocery store, start looking for those people that are alone. The elderly person that doesn't have somebody with them and they're just shopping, you can look in their basket to know that they're probably cooking for themselves. Strike up a conversation. Over two years ago, I did that with a lady who ended up being a neighbor of mine. I had seen her walking every morning, same time. And I thought, I wonder if she'd like to take a dog with her. Now, it wasn't selfish that I just wanted somebody to walk my dog. That idea was laid on my heart, and I took action when the opportunity presented itself. About three days after I had that thought, she was in line in front of me at the store. I told her that we were actually neighbors and where I lived, and I told her that I saw her walk every morning, and would she like some company? I think she was thinking I was talking about myself until I told her I have an Australian shepherd that would love to go with you. That was over two years ago. And she walks my dog almost every morning. She said it has been such a joy for her to get to know my dog since she doesn't have any pets of her own. And it has given her such comfort and purpose on her daily walk. At loopword.com, I found some answers about why I can't hold a conversation. Of course, that's not me, but that could be you. You might feel that way. Three reasons why and how to improve. You're at a networking event where everyone is talking, laughing, and exchanging contacts. And you're standing off to the side thinking for the hundredth time, I can't hold a conversation. If this is you, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to an illuminating journey where we unravel the enigma of holding a conversation. If you've ever found yourself grappling with self-doubt in social interactions, questioning your ability to engage and connect, then this is your guiding light. We'll uncover the underlying reasons behind your conversational challenges and equip you with the tools and insights needed to break free from the shackles of uncertainty, paving the way toward becoming a confident and captivating conversationalist. Get ready to embrace a world of meaningful connections as we embark on this transformative quest, unlocking your true conversational potential along the way. By learning the reasons why you think you can't hold a conversation, you'll be one step closer to improving. In fact, you're probably a better conversationalist than you actually think. So, number one, the I can't hold a conversation with anyone mindset. We all love having deep and interesting conversations. Maybe you think if it's not interesting, it's not worth your time or theirs. If uninteresting discussions make you think, I can't hold a conversation, then your mindset is blocking your ability to produce social results. Starting a conversation is hard. For example, the meaningless chit-chat, the awkward pauses, and the painful small talk might make you question, why can't I hold a conversation? The fact of the matter is, though, that these aspects often lead to deeper conversations. Or maybe you're at a party and think you need to say something intelligent or funny to be heard. Your mind goes blank and you say nothing. The mental pressure of trying to be cool and witty is holding you back from even holding a conversation. Both of these examples are unhelpful mindsets to have when approaching any new social situation. They hinder your ability to hold a meaningful conversation. 
Be aware of your thoughts, and checking them at the door will allow you to be part of a more social opportunity. Number two, social anxiety and social awkwardness can prevent a good conversation. The negative mindset you have can stem from a lot of things, including social anxiety or social awkwardness. Do you ever think, I'm bad at meeting people. I'm a boring conversationalist. I have nothing to say. I can't hold a conversation with anyone. Why can't I hold a conversation? A 2008 study published in the Journal of Anxiety Disorders attempted to uncover how social awkwardness and diagnosed SAD or social anxiety disorder can affect social interactions. The study concluded that individuals that felt socially awkward but didn't have SAD generally performed significantly better than they thought they would. They might have thought, I can't hold a conversation, but others disagreed. It's like giving a speech that you stumbled through, but the message still came across in the end. On the other hand, People with SAD were found to have social performance deficits, gaps in their communication skills that limited how they interacted. In this case, holding a conversation is actually very difficult. It's like giving a speech without knowing the subject or the audience. Luckily, whether you have SAD or just feel socially awkward, all hope is not lost. By learning ways to hold a conversation, you'll become better equipped. Working on yourself is about deep diving into your thoughts, history, and insecurities. Discovering how to overcome the things holding you back in life is important and can be life-changing. And number three, you haven't learned the right skills yet. Conversations like any other skill are something that you learn. Saying, I can't hold a conversation is a lot like saying, I can't ride a bike. It's not doomed to be true forever. By learning what works and practicing, you'll go from asking, why can't I hold a conversation, to wondering, what was I so worried about? Conversations are one of the best ways to connect with others and build quality relationships. But going into any social situation with a negative mindset can prevent you from keeping the conversation going and making lasting connections. So, here are five easy tips you can follow if you want to overcome the I can't have a conversation mentality. Number one, have conversation starters in your back pocket. Be ready to ask questions. Having a few general questions to ask people you just met can help you keep the flow of conversation going. Here's a pro tip. Follow-up questions are an easy and effective way to keep the conversation going. Harvard Research says that people who ask questions, particularly follow-up questions, may become better managers, land better jobs, and even win second dates. Number two, use basic topics or simple questions that are safe topics or feelers. This gives you an idea about who the other person is and what their personality is like. Using safe questions also gives you an idea of which direction you can take the conversation. Number three, remember the 7% rule. The most commonly cited study on verbal and nonverbal communication is by Professor Albert Morabian of the University of California. He says that 7% of communication is communicated through spoken word, 38% through tone of voice, and 55% through body language. This means it's important to complement your words with the right tone of voice and the appropriate body language.
Remember this when speaking with someone on a date, during an interview, or in any social situation. Number four, learn to be present during a conversation. This means listening and using empathy when someone is speaking to you. The absolute first step is to put your phone away or on silent. Then pay attention, make eye contact, and focus on the conversation. You'll be surprised how many people just don't listen or show interest during a conversation, even if they don't mean to. Number five, exit a conversation with intention. You're either going to leave a conversation and never speak to the person again, or you will. If you felt a spark, definitely have the intention of following up. If you've had a good conversation and you felt compatible, then suggest a time to meet up. Simply say, hey, I'd really like to continue our conversation another time. How about a drink or coffee next week? How about finding a wingman or wingwoman? You know, someone to help you ease into a conversation. Maybe you don't have the gift of gab, but you have a friend who has the gift of gab. What about going somewhere together, letting you ease in with some additional anecdotes instead of carrying the conversation by yourself? This way, you can just jump in when you have something that you would like to add, but you're not going to feel all that extra pressure. You know, there is obviously a difference between extroverts and introverts, but have you ever heard of a social introvert? Okay, let me tell you the difference. So a social introvert can hold their own. They can definitely be in a conversation. They can have, you know, a social function. It can go well, but at the end of the night, they're drained. So all those social interactions just kind of drain them. They need some alone time to recharge. Where an extrovert, after a long party of talking and dancing and interacting, they're ready to keep going. Kind of gives them that fuel they need. But whether you're a social introvert or an extrovert, as long as you're strategic, you can do it. You can also throw the right party with the right mix of people. Maybe you have a dinner party. You want to invite that person that's always telling the jokes, the other one that has something thoughtful to add, the other one that might have those great stories, those uh, conversation starters. Think about who you're bringing to the table. Deeper connections are for your health as much as they are for your social street cred. On the Silver and Fit blog, I found the joy of replacing small talk with deeper conversations. We've now graduated. And guess what? You don't have to be silver or fit to heed this advice. Don't wait until you're feeling the pangs of loneliness to start building and strengthening your connections. Do it now. Research suggests you can get an immediate mood boost and feel-good brain chemicals from all of your positive day-to-day connections with others, including your encounters with people you may never see again. Deeper conversations and the sense of social connection foster and support your health in broader ways. So the research suggests that it could help, obviously, curb loneliness, make you more trusting, kind, empathetic, and cooperative, enhance your sense of belonging, boost your self-esteem and confidence, increase rewarding feelings of happiness and life satisfaction, open the door to developing a greater number of close friends lower stress and levels of cortisol, lessen the risk for depression and anxiety, increase longevity, 
lower your blood pressure, and improve inflammation and immune response. Who knew? Whether it's the person sitting next to you on the bus or a new acquaintance you've just met at a party, you can find ways to move past the comfort zone of small talk. That's not to say that small talk itself is bad, right? It's not. We've already discussed this. It can be a helpful icebreaker and a gateway to more in-depth conversations. Taking more chances when talking with strangers can feel scary, but some of these tools might help. Examine your own expectations. If you tend to freeze or revert to small talk with strangers, pay attention to your thoughts. If you notice yourself thinking, I don't have anything to say to this person. I don't think they would find anything interesting. Pause and question that thought. Since you don't really know the person, how do you know they won't be interested in what you have to say? How do you know without asking what topics they might really care about? You might have much more in common than you actually think. Sometimes the only way to find out is to take the chance. Notice whether you're clicking with the other person. You can often get a gut feeling when a stranger is warm, friendly, open, and willing to engage. A person's body language and facial expressions often let you know if they might be responsive to having a deeper conversation with you. On the other hand, don't force it. If the person is frowning, looking or turning away, or is unresponsive when you offer a smile or say hello, you might want to cut that chat short other opportunities will come your way. Express your curiosity asking open-ended questions, including follow-up questions. This can lead to more in-depth, interesting, and memorable conversations. Asking the other person questions also shows you're curious about them and helps build rapport. Your genuine curiosity can help make the other person feel more at ease and willing to share. One study even found that asking another person questions increases how much they like you. Asking open-ended questions can also help the conversation evolve, grow, and build. Another study found that curiosity may help you cope better with the anxiety of uncertain situations. It may help you express more positive feelings and tune into your playful, humorous side. Curiosity helps you think outside the box a bit more and it helps make you less critical and defensive. Listen actively. Pay full attention when you listen to the other person. This means letting go of other thoughts while you listen. It means focusing your attention solely on the other person's story. Try to listen closely, open your mind, and suspend judgment. Active listening also entails looking for nonverbal cues like facial expressions and body language. This can help you discern the feelings behind the person's words. Plus, when you listen closely, you help the other person feel heard. You show them that you care about what they say and feel. This builds trust and rapport, and it may help foster deeper conversations. Share a little of yourself. To take the conversation beyond small talk, open up a bit. You might mention one thing that happened in the past few days that you feel grateful for. You might describe an innovative solution you recently found to a challenge. Or you might share your feelings about a happy event, like a milestone you reached. Evaluate the reactions. Are you pleasantly surprised by how interested and curious the other person was? Were they open and willing to share about themselves? Did the exchange feel less awkward and more rewarding than you expected? 
Did you feel engaged, relaxed, and happy while talking? How about afterward? Being mindful of the pleasant experiences you have during deeper conversations with strangers may build your motivation to seek them out more often. You may start to feel happier and less stress. And who knows? As you start connecting more deeply with strangers, new friendships may blossom. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you. The benefits of moving beyond small talk extend beyond the immediate conversation, positively impacting relationships, personal growth, and overall well-being. After the opener, ask thoughtful questions and listen to understand. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the past was clear.